Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Dr. Aldo Maspons. Thanks for joining us. We are lucky enough today to be joined by Dr. Arturo Dominguez. He's a close friend of mine, graduate of Cathedral High School and Princeton University. Uh, from Princeton, he went on to UT Southwestern, uh, where he received his, his, his MD degree, and then he did his internal medicine uh, internship and residency at University of Washington in Seattle then came back to Dallas, Texas to do his dermatology uh, residency. Um, he's the director of inpatient dermatology at UT Southwestern Parkland Hospital, uh, County Hospital in Dallas, Texas. And thank you Arturo for, for joining us today. Dermatology extraordinaire. Thanks. Sort of the background, the, the new Parkland. Um, so, so Arturo, you and I have talked a lot about just um, conditions uh, for your dermatologist and you you work obviously in a uh, in parkland right behind you and there's a lot of it's a it's a county a big county system so you see all kinds of all kinds of conditions from the cosmetic to the to the really sick and we're talking a lot about how um, people of color uh, latinos uh, other communities have a lot of skin conditions and maybe the, the general public or just it's just tough to get information from mainstream media and and so you want we're going to talk about some of the conditions um that you think are really important just for like abuelitos and abuelitas to know about and people in your family so like you know just talk to us about some of those things yeah Aldo, um skin uh, skin conditions are um very prevalent in uh in the latino community um like a lot of other medical conditions uh, Latinos and other people of skin of color uh, have poorer outcomes uh, when we look at uh, things like skin cancer, when we look at uh, diseases like psoriasis, which oftentimes um, are diseases that actually people sometimes get when internally we have uh, other medical conditions that are going on. So, um, for example, psoriasis is something that sometimes people that are diabetic or that have overweight or high cholesterol uh, also have and so psoriasis may show up on the skin. What's, a, what's psoriasis? What, what, what is that? Like if somebody who never had psoriasis and, and they're like listening, like, what, what would you, how would you explain it? Yeah, so psoriasis is a skin condition that's due to inflammation inside of your body. And when people get psoriasis, they will oftentimes develop these very red and dry, uh, scaly uh, areas of skin, um, oftentimes um, on their elbows. Um, they will oftentimes get it on their knees. Um, they will often have scale in their scalp, they think is dandruff, um, and, um, and in other parts of the body. Um, and then that can spread to uh, other, uh, other parts. Um, and so um, it can be a condition that um, people can feel disfigured by, um, but it can also be itchy um, and patients can have sometimes other symptoms, even uh, arthritis. So psoriasis is something that's uh, very prevalent um, in, the, uh, in the Latino uh, community. Latino and Latino. Do, do you think it's something like that people are just unaware of and then they just they present a lot later they go a lot later to see a dermatologist or like how? yeah i think also part of it's the lack of access and a lot of it might also be due to the the lack of uh low uh numbers of uh you know latino and latina uh dermatologists and and and, and physicians so it's there's a lot of um factors at play uh, that go into it and then I think also sometimes there's also a misunderstanding of what psoriasis is. I remember from one of my uncles is a, is a doctor in Juarez. And, uh, you know, when I would talk to him about different skin conditions, um, you know, even even among medical other medical professionals, sometimes people think, oh, well, psoriasis, uh, eso le da la gente por los nervios, right? They think that because you're stressed out or something that you might get psoriasis. And although, um, uh, emotional health and mental health can contribute to oftentimes skin diseases flaring and getting worse. 
those skin diseases are not caused by themselves because of stress or nervios. But certainly stress can make things worse, but by itself is not enough to, uh, to cause the condition. So psoriasis is one of um, many other um, skin conditions that, that we see in our community. If you're watching this, you're not a doctor and you're, you have somebody in your family or you yourself have some plaques, some dry plaques in the, in the key areas, elbows, uh, head, maybe looks like kind of a lot of dandruff. Um, that's definitely spreading that they should. It, it's it's tough in El Paso because I think the next like available dermatology appointment is probably six yeah. months. But make it now so that that way it can prevent, that it can improve quality of life, right? Instead of them having to deal with these with these issues that are not due to stress, um, they can worsen with stress but not caused by stress. Um, they can get checked out and start getting treated, not just because from a, from a self-esteem quality of life side, but also because there's other um, diseases that, that interplay with yeah, stress, definitely. like heart I think problems. they can see their primary doctor um, and, you know, make sure that their blood pressure is under control, that their cholesterol has been checked, um, that they've had what other uh, workup that they need to check for some of these other diseases that sometimes go um, with uh, psoriasis. And then even when psoriasis is mild enough, um, just like if people have a little bit of dry dryness on the elbows, maybe dandruff, oftentimes that can just be treated with topical medications that can be prescribed by their primary doctor. Now, uh, diet is also um, important, um, not only because, um, you know, good diet um, can lead to uh, weight loss, uh, but sometimes certain foods can help bring down inflammation, uh, low uh, glycemic diets, so low glycemic, like low sugar diets, um, all of those have been shown to decrease inflammation inside the body. Uh, and weight loss, uh, healthy diets uh, can also help improve uh, psoriasis. And, and right now, so we're, we're going through, obviously we're going through COVID and people are wearing masks. And, and so I, I see a lot, of, I mean, I'm, I'm a gastroenterologist, so I don't necessarily have to look at this a lot, but um, sometimes I see people with with like acne kind of around the mask. Can you talk a little bit about, about people who, who have this kind of acne now? Yeah, so uh, we, we, we certainly have seen a rise and an increase in, in uh, acne. Uh, that some people are referring to as like mask me um, due to uh, irritation of the skin uh, around around the mouth. Uh, sometimes it can be, um, there's different types of acne. Um, some people can get what we call rosacea or perioral dermatitis, and that's a type of acne. Um, and then there's also kind of just like the teenage uh, type of acne. but. Basically, both types um, can be uh, worsened uh, with mask uh, wearing. Now, you, of course, um, you know even though Texas is lifting their uh, their mask um, recommendations, um, um, everyone should still wear their mask um, in in areas um, where people um, are likely not to be wearing masks. Uh, but there's a lot of things that people can do to um, avoid irritation uh, from mask wearing. Um, you know, num number one is to make sure that uh, you're using a mild skin cleanser, um, you know, once, twice, maybe even three times uh, a day. Um, pre preferably um, cleansers that don't have harsh products in them, like uh, alcohol, uh, or other oily substances that can uh, clog the pores. Um, also, uh, using like a gentle moisturizer uh, on the face, uh, something that's water-based, um, uh, can also help prevent uh, irritation. What about like makeup? Like I, I see um, the people, oops, even though we're wearing masks, uh, you know, they yes, wear a lot of makeup. Yeah, no, so that's a good point. So you should also try not to wear makeup um, under the mask itself because that can also really uh, clog the pores uh, as well. Um, if you if you want to wear makeup, you should really try to make sure that you have something that's non-comedogenic. Uh, and that's basically meaning that it's not going to uh, clog the pores. Um, 
And then um, you want to be able to do other things like, um, you know, you apply that moisturizer, but then also when you take the mask off, like when you're back home, like reapplying uh, that moisturizer, um, that can also really help. Lastly, uh, sometimes the masks can irritate certain areas of pressure and friction on your face, like over the bridge of your nose or kind of at the corner of your cheeks and kind of oftentimes on these bony areas. And sometimes people can also really get chapped lips, uh, chapped nose. Um, and so what you can do for those, these areas is to actually apply a little bit of Vaseline or petroleum jelly uh, on those points of pressure um, that are going to get really uh, irritated. So, you know, um, I said don't use something that that is oily, um, but that's like for like all over the place. But like in those areas of contact, sometimes using a little bit of Vaseline or something that's a little bit more oily um, can prevent uh like pressure and friction areas or uh, pressure or friction injury to the skin. So we're, we're, um, we're talking with uh, Dr. Arturo Dominguez. He's a dermatologist. He's head of director of inpatient dermatology at uh, one of the best medical centers in the world at UT Southwestern in, in Dallas, also my alma mater. Um, we are streaming live from Aspons Pediatric Gastro and this is brought to you by Bemidoc uh, mobile health app helps you stay connected, stay healthy. And uh, Dr. Dominguez talked a little bit about um, psoriasis, explained a little bit about what the, what the plaques look like and the treatments and the, the risks involved in not getting seen. And then we also talked about masks um, and how it's developing. It's, people are developing a lot more acne because of masks. And then he talked about some techniques that people can use to prevent acne and also to prevent some of the injury we get. I know I get I think we're all going to be chatos by the time uh, this uh, COVID ends. We're all going to be like <laughs> jacked in our face. Ten years ago or so, I was looking at my face like, oh, look, I have, I have some pimples. It must be because I'm getting, I'm super young and I'm, uh, I'm getting younger. And actually, you you told me that I had rosacea, uh, which was which was not awesome. Um, but I didn't I didn't even know. And I'm I'm a physician, and I you know I had always thought about rosacea with with noses who are a little bit thicker and, and larger. Can you talk a little bit about um, kind of the, how, to, how to distinguish the differences between uh, acne and, and rosacea and then what people should look for for rosacea and uh, treatments and, and et cetera? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so um, acne rosacea is a specific type of acne um, that is um, characterized by, uh, by a number of things. So people that have uh, rosacea generally get more like red bumps um, as well as sometimes um, red bumps that turn into kind of pus bumps. And normally the um, people will get those um, lesions uh, in certain parts of the face, like usually kind of the forehead, maybe the cheeks, around the mouth, around the nose. And, um, and that's one type of, of, of rosacea. There's, there's another type of rosacea that we call the, it's, it's a complicated word, word, but it's erythmotelangiectatic. And what that means is that the face gets red and, you, and then you have like flushing. And oftentimes people will complain of, of flushing or getting like very red especially uh, like after exercise or during stress or maybe even sometimes certain foods like, you know, eating, uh, you know, comida picante um, or even sometimes like alcohol, like all those things kind of cause the, the face to flush. Um, and after the flushing um, is when sometimes people will develop some of these red bumps um, in these areas like the next day. Um, rosacea can also be worsened by uh, by the sun, sun exposure, because you know if the skin gets hot, or even through like UV exposure outside, um, that can make the face flush, uh, and sometimes make some of these uh, bumps come out. Um, what what do you think about uh, sunblock? Like you know, even now it's still cold. Should people be wearing sunscreen now, even though it's like it's not summertime? Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. This is another topic. Um, 
So yes, sun protection is very important in terms of uh, preventing uh, rosacea. If, if you have skin that's prone to rosacea, um, using a, um, a, a sunscreen um, that's at least SPF uh, 30 uh, or higher, or that even better is uh, a physical blocker, um, like a mineral-based physical blocker, something that contains zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Um, these are a lot better uh, for people that have rosacea-prone skin. Now, pivoting over to um, sun protection. So sun protection is something that's, um, that's very, uh, very important um, for, for numerous reasons. Uh, number one is for prevention of uh, photoaging. And what we in dermatology mean by photoaging is the changes that we see in the skin due to chronic sun exposure. And some of those changes are number one, wrinkles, uh, number two, dark spots, uh, sunspots um, that appear in the face, uh, skin thinning, uh, and then also some of the little spider veins and things like that that I talked about. So uh, sun protection is, is, is very uh, important. And oftentimes we think that, you know, as, um, as uh, Latinos and Latinas, uh, just because we have darker skin, um, that we're not prone uh, to photo aging. Um, people forget, you know, um, Latinos, Latinas, we, we come in all shapes or all shapes and sizes and all skin tones, you know, like there's some of us that are like white, blonde, blue eyes. Um, and then there's a lot of other that, that we're, we're just darker. And so people have different, different skin types. So you can't all group us all into like one particular group. And yeah. so people's skin is going to be more prone, um, to, to, to burning, to photo aging, um, but uh, skin cancer is is the next um, you know reason why it's important to uh, use a sunscreen um, on a daily basis, especially if you're someone that has lighter skin, and especially if uh, you uh, are in an occupation uh, that works outside, or if you participate a lot in uh, outdoor activities. Now, you know, with El Paso being the Sun City, um, um, we've always had the, uh, the, the luxury of, you know, having the most sunny days um, in, 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 in the US, but uh, people need to remember that even when it's not sunny, um, if you're outside, like in the middle of the day and it's a cloudy day, um, those UV rays from the sun are still coming through the clouds and uh, you can still get a sunburn um, and then also get photo damage on a sunny day. So um, it's important to, uh, to protect yourself uh, from the sun <laughs> uh, whenever, uh, uh, whenever you're going to be outside. So, so this, is, this is basically how, uh, how we should go outside like this? Yeah, you should see the pictures of a lot of uh, like my dermatologist friends, uh, like when they're at the beach and stuff, you know, they have like a huge wide brimmed hat that's like basically hanging down this low. And then like- They look they, like uh, beekeepers? Yeah, beekeepers are like those <laughs> old swimsuits from like the 1930s, you know, like, with, like all the way down like that. But that's what a lot of dermatologists are doing to really uh, protect their skin. Uh, when they're when they're outside, so I mean, there's other things that you can do. Uh, you know, definitely like wearing a wide brimmed hat. Um, you really want to apply that sunscreen like 15 minutes before you're outside. Um, you also want to uh, try to avoid the sun really kind of when it's at its uh, peak. You know, between noon to 4 p.m., noon to 5 p.m. Seek shade uh, when you can, um, and and so forth. Um, no we, oh, sorry, man. We 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 talked talked about yes. You're talking about like kind of sun exposure and like have like people who work outside. Um, what about um, like occupational eczema? Like I, I do a lot of like uh, I like I try to keep everything kind of clean and, and it's, you know everyone right now is getting all crazy with well not necessarily crazy necessarily crazy with with um, keeping their hands you know sanitized getting. Um, but my hands are breaking up, I'm getting a lot of eczema on my hands. 
what what do you say about that kind of stuff like pe people who are constantly the hand washing and, and have a breakdown of their skin what what could we do for that yeah so uh, so people forget um that um um that water and a lot of these soaps are basically irritants you know the, the repeated washing and drying and washing and drying of the hands um, and really any part of your skin um, is going to be irritating. And so um, for a lot of uh, medical practitioners like yourself and people that are, you know, in occupations like in the restaurant industry or, or other things where they're frequently washing their hands, um, they're going to be prone uh, to develop um, dryness and irritation and, and cracking. And so what we generally recommend um, is to use a moisturizer um, after after washing uh, your hands, and um, any moisturizer is better than nothing. Um, but in general, things that are a little bit more greasy and oily, um, even something like Vaseline, uh, works really well. Um, now, if if you don't, if you know, if using Vaseline, you don't like that greasy look maybe stepping down and using something like a cream in your hands, like a fragrance-free uh, uh, product um, can, can be uh, uh, really uh, useful. Now, if that by itself does not uh, treat the problem or if you're still breaking through it, it's probably important to see a doctor at that point uh, because you may have um, like a dermatitis or inflammation or eczema that maybe needs to be treated with uh, stronger topical steroids. But you can do a lot. You can do a lot to, to prevent these, uh, these breakouts from hap happening just by following, um, you know, good, uh, maintaining good habits. They sell these like little jars of like, you know, Vaseline or um, that you can kind of carry around in your purse, you can carry around in your pocket. Um, to moisturize your hands uh, after after washing. We're uh, we're talking with Dr. Arturo Dominguez. He's the director of inpatient dermatology at UT Southwestern at Parkland, UC Parkland County Hospital. Behind him, I think it's probably one of the largest county hospitals in in the country. Um, and we're, we're streaming live from Spons Pediatric Gastro, and we're brought to you by Remy Doc. Uh, stay connected. Stay healthy. We talked a lot about just uh, conditions in the Latino community, skin conditions that, that people should be aware of like when you're getting together with your family, uh, socially distant or talking to them on the phone. Um, we talked about mask knee, so acne when you have your mask, psoriasis, um, the eczema and rosacea as well. Um, one, one thing, because I, I deal a lot with kids, um, newborns, I have a lot, a lot of moms that come in and bring their, their kids and, and they have a, a lot of this um, darker spots on their face uh, known as paño. Can you talk a little bit about what what paño is, uh, what it's known in, in English because I forget what, what the term is in English. <laughs> and and then just what what is it is it something that's more prevalent in, in Latinas and in, in people of, yeah. of skin colors? Um, and what can they do uh, to lessen it? Or is that something they, they have for the rest of their life? What, what do you think? Yeah, so so paño uh, um, is what we um, in dermatology uh, call melasma. Or that's, that's the formal diagnostic uh, condition, uh, melasma. Now, um, melasma is uh, basically um, darkening of the skin that happens due to um, the darker pigments that the body produces, um, you know, kind of going down deeper, a deeper level in the skin. Um, and melasma can happen due to a number of different um, conditions. Um, the most common is like in pregnancy. Um, when, when people get melasma in pregnancy, we call this uh, cloasma. So that, like, that's the most common. Um, and that happens mainly due to a change of uh, hormones. Um, that happen during pregnancy, but then there's other things that can also uh, play a role. Like uh, again, the sun. The sin sun is a big driver in people um, with melasma or paño. Um, then, like other hormonal changes uh, that can sometimes happen, uh, like for example in uh, menopause, 
um, sometimes certain medical conditions like thyroid disorders, uh, diabetes, um, things that can kind of upset that hormonal balance um, can result in people developing uh, melasma. Should, should they, so if if you're not, so if, if you're a female, is this a, like a female thing or do males get this too? Is it just a female? No, men can get melasma too. And it's up, so actually, if, I, I actually, I have, a, I don't know if you can really see, but I have a little bit of melasma here like on the upper, upper cheek that's like very faint. Um, you just look beautiful so, to me, man. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so <facial> what, moisturizing. <laughs> it's moisturizer, sunblock, it's thing out of the sun. <laughs> um, what? So if somebody has so like, a, if, um, if I see somebody or, you know, you're, you're with your family, they have what looks like baño on their face. Should they, should they go see somebody, uh, a physician to say, look, I have this. Like, can you check me for thyroid problems or heart problems? Or, think, or Yeah, like I think at a minimum, like, I wouldn't run out and necessarily get checked just just because you have it. Because um, in general, it's not an emergency. But in terms of like doing a workup, you know, maybe checking, um, um, you know, checking your thyroid, and then um, you know maybe getting screened for something like diabetes, because sometimes there's other uh, medical conditions that can kind of look like baño or like melasma mm -hmm. um, that is actually uh, from diabetes. So there's something that's called uh, acanthosis nigricans. Yeah. And that's uh, can you get that on the face? Yeah, so you, so you can get it on the face too. Um, it used to be a lot rarer, but in um, in people that are obese, uh, especially in like severe obesity, um, you can get acanthosis nigricans on the face. Um, so acanthosis uh, nigricans for for people watching are not medical. It's just kind of like this uh, velvety, velvety dark. darkening skin, and so the velvetiness in the armpits, in the neck behind the yeah neck. yeah so so I'll, I'll get a lot of uh, my patients who I see for fatty liver disease well they'll uh, the you know the mom some moms will come in and say like no just but it's it's just uh it's just this thick velvety skin and at least in in my world for for pediatric uh, liver disease it's screening for fatty liver disease is uh, is the common common thing but but dr Dominguez is telling telling us that you can get acanthosis nigricans on on the face, which that's awesome because I just learned something new. I had never seen it on the face before. Yeah, that's, that's and good. and actually, like traditionally, uh, the teaching that um, acanthosis on the nigricans on the face used to be thought to possibly be like cancer associated. Now, sometimes people can develop certain skin conditions and skin changes that can be a sign of an underlying cancer. And so, traditionally, acanthosis nigricans on the face was thought to be more cancer related. But I think as we've been seeing, um, you know, the the obesity epidemic that exists in this country, now it's it's not that uncommon to uh, to see acanthosis nigricans on the face. But but anyway, we were we were talking about uh, melasma, uh, <laughs> uh, and so um, you know with with um, uh, melasma, um, it's something that is uh, treatable, um, but. Um, but there's a lot of things that people can do to try to reduce the risk for developing it, um, but also to um, try to improve uh, and get rid of some of that darkening uh, that they've developed. Um, number one is sun protection. So a lot of the things that I mentioned in terms of photo aging um, also apply to taking care of your skin for, for melasma. So making sure that you're using a daily sunscreen, again, SPF over 30, maybe also a physical blocker, uh, something that contains zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Oftentimes those sunscreens are sold under like the label for sensitive skin. Um, but those, work, those are pretty think, white though, right? Like the, like the zinc, like if you have yeah, zinc in there, it's going to be like the, like the surfing thing, you know, where you have the... Yeah. Uh, but you know, now, um, now there's a bunch of different companies that make some of these products um, where um, they call them micronized uh, zinc oxide and titanium. So basically like the, uh, the size of the particles of zinc oxide are smaller and so they're not as noticeable. And then additionally, for uh, people that have darker skin, they actually sell sunscreens that have a little bit of tint uh, in them. Oh, nice. Uh, like which kinds, what, what would you, is there some brands that you know? 
Um, I mean, yeah. So if you, if you don't mind me mentioning, uh, no, 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 man. It's not. We're not academics, man. We're good. So, or I'm not <laughs> so one of my favorite products is actually Elta, E L T A. Um, it's just a, a line of, of different sunscreens, and they make one that has tint in it. Um, I think that uh, Elta UV Daily um, is is one that I actually uh, like uh, myself. Actually, I have a bottle here. I can probably show you if you're giving and, a second. And uh, just for just for the people watching, um, <laughs> Doctor Dominguez does not get paid by Elta. He's he's just what he uses. He's not endorsing Elta at all. Maspons Pietro Gastro, Dr. Aldo Maspons does not endorse Elta. Yeah, we'll so talk about parts here. So this is well, uh, you're, uh, like uh, you're you're invisible. Yeah, you can't probably see it from that far, but um, yeah, this is Elta UV uh, UV Daily, um, and actually, you know, this one is actually like the the uh, the tinted product. I don't know if you can. Um, uh, it's probably not coming across well, but I don't know if you see kind of this little brown smudge on there. I just see some magic <laughs> magic stuff happening. That doesn't come through as well there, but yeah, uh, Elta UV Daily. I think it's a good product because it has both moisturizer. The UV the UV Daily lines um, they have both moisturizers and sunscreens in them, and then they make this t uh, tinted version uh, as well. Um, so yeah, um, so sun protection is important, and then other things like wearing a wide brimmed hat, staying out of the sun, and so. Um, I always tell my patients, you know, if you're not going to be sun protecting um, and you have melasma, whatever I prescribe to you is less likely to work. So, you know, I might, um, things that we use for people that have severe melasma include like a topical retinoid, um, which are products like uh, Retin-A or Tretinoin that we also use for acne. Um, these work, um, these work somewhat for, for melasma. And then they're oftentimes used in combination with other bleaching agents, uh, with things like hydroquinone, um, and even a little bit of a topical steroid mixed in. And oftentimes, uh, the combination of those three products, um, can really help decrease the darkening. But if you're not doing the sun protection, any sort of like gain that you make from using these prescribed creams you're likely to lose from, you know, just a, a day or two of being out in the sun. So, sun protection. These, yeah. these topics, sorry, sorry, Dr. Bruminius, sorry, sort of, these, um, these top, um, things with like ret, ret, retinoids, retin-A, those are only at nighttime, right? Like when there's like decreased sun exposure or like- Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so generally retin-A is, um, when we prescribe it uh, for acne and for melasma and other things, uh, we like patients to use them at night because uh, they can be a little bit irritating uh, during the day, uh, especially if they're gonna be out in the sun. Um, they can make you a little bit more sun sensitive and, and more uh, prone to, to burn. So you wanna be do doing the sunscreen during the day and then maybe one of these other products uh, at night. Um, for people that have severe melasma, um, there's some new research um, that um, one of my colleagues and, and, and mentors, Amit Pandya, uh, who's now uh, in the uh, San Francisco area, uh, he's done some. Oh, that's work. awesome. Yeah, he's done some work with some groups uh, out of Southeast Asia, like in Indonesia, uh, where also melasma is, is more prevalent. So, again, melasma is something that's more prevalent in people that have darker skin, Latinos. Yeah. Um, uh, Latinos, South Asians, Southeast Asians, um, uh, uh, Africans, um, um, that's, um, melasma just happens to be more common in, in these, uh, populations. So he's done, he's done some work showing that there, there's some oral medications, um, that some, that people use for, um, uh, for bleeding disorders. Um, that because of the, the way that the medication works, the mechanism, it actually inhibits pigment formation. Um, oh, so, uh, like which one, which, uh, which medicine would that be? Um, well, okay. I don't, that's fine. You don't have to, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. That's fine. <laughs> I don't want no, to don't worry. out and, but, but it's not something that's like over the counter, right? It's not like that? something like, 
it's not like something that's like over the counter that you can like just buy. It's something that has to be prescribed. No, no. But I mean, yeah. you know, like in a, with in a possible with people sometimes buying stuff off label and yeah. No, we're not we're not condoning any of that. Uh, going off and buying. Don't uh, buy this and uh, and buy. Yeah. Don't say the name. Because <laughs> people, people are going to go into Juarez buying stuff and, and bleeding all over the place and blaming. Um, so I, I, I wanted to, um, th there's a couple of comments that I just wanted to address yeah. um, that we're getting from Facebook. Um, so uh, Dr. Indu Pathik is, is watching. Uh, hi Indu, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for tuning in to, to my sponsor live here. So she wants to know about um, hands drying and cracking with free gift washing. If, if there's any moisturizer that you recommend, I think you had mentioned a little bit about Vaseline. Um, is there any yeah. other? Um, I think, um, yeah, Vaseline is always the cheapest. Um, uh, Aquaphor is another brand um, that is, is like Vaseline. I think it's a little bit less thick than it. Um, I also like something that's called uh, CeraVe. Uh, the CeraVe ointment. Actually, I have a jar of it. There you go. Magic. <laughs> There's a parkland there in the background. Beautiful campus. So this is a uh, here's CeraVe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. CeraVe, CeraVe ointment, and it's kind of a uh, you know it's kind of uh, a little greasy. Uh, so but it's what, a what would bit... be the difference? Like I, I always have this thing where like um, it, it, those things are expensive, right? Those products are pretty expensive. Yeah. Do, do so they that's use? Why I, that's why I always mention Vaseline because yes, Vaseline is, is it a is it a Vaseline based product? They just add a little bit extra to it to just kind of raise the price. Prob yeah, somewhat. Like so, for example, this Cerave stuff. Uh, one of the ingredients in here is uh, ceramide, mm -hmm. and ceramides are these uh, fatty molecules or fatty proteins that our skin naturally has. And in, in people that, for example, like have eczema, um, they think that the body just produces less ceramides um, and other uh, normal components of the fatty, greasy layer of the skin. Um, and that that's why people are more prone to, um, uh, to break out. And so, yeah, some of these products, you know, they, they add ceramides in here, whether it's more effective or not is kind of unclear. Uh, Aquaphor, um, also has a little bit more, uh, the water content is a little bit higher in Aquaphor. Um, mm. Now, sometimes some of these moisturizers um, can have preservatives in there um, that can sometimes cause uh, irritation. Um, what about, um, Luis, Luis Navarro wants to know about coconut oil. What would you say about coconut oil? I think uh, something like coconut oil, um, can work okay for some people. I think like using it on the body uh, is probably fine. I definitely wouldn't apply it to the face uh, because it's too oily. It's would be comedogenic again, you know, possibly forming black heads and, and white heads. Um, now you really want to make sure that if you're going to be doing something natural like that, uh, again, that it doesn't have like any added preservatives or added fragrances. Um, because people can actually sometimes develop skin allergies um, to some of these added uh, fragrances um, and other ingredients that are sometimes added to these creams. And chronic exposure to a lot of these additives and fragrances over time can um, cause uh, skin allergies uh, to appear. So your body can react sometimes to some of these preservatives your body can react in the same way that it reacts to like being exposed to poison ivy uh, or something. So, like so we um, we're we're on uh, we're here with uh, Arturo Dominguez, MD, he's a dermatologist, director of inpatient dermatology at UT Southwestern. We go way back. We're we're both uh, graduates of Cathedral High School. Um, he unfortunately went to St. Joe's. I fortunately for myself went to St. Pius. Uh, obviously, St. Pius. It's always better than St. Joe's. Um, we we um, we're, we talked a lot about uh, different skin conditions in the Latino community. We talked about eczema, we talked about acne, about psoriasis, about uh, uh, recently talking about ro rosacea, and then um, uh, baño or melasma, and then just different products. Uh, you didn't you did not give a formal endorsement to any particular particular product. Um, 
and we're, we're gonna kind of wrap up. I want to be sensitive to your time, Arturo, and thanks a lot for joining us. Um, yeah. we're, we, um, I, I, I want to see if you have any like bichos that you want to talk about. Like, um, last week I talked about my abuelita would say, uh, que, que no te vayas a sentar en, en la calle caliente, un, un pavimento caliente, porque salen hemorroides. <laughs> which, which, and I think, I don't know why, but it, just, it, makes me, it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine somebody sitting on a, a hot pavement and then all of a sudden just hemorrhoids coming out from, from <laughs> um, Is there any bichos at all that, that your grandparents would say or, or your parents or uh, uh, anything that you would, that you hear about that? You had, you had mentioned a little bit about like, about like stress and, and baño. It doesn't have to be like yeah. medical. No, no yeah. Like, I mean, there, I mean, one of the things that my grandmother would always tell me would be like not to like uh, que, que no hagas caras porque así te vas a quedar you know like <laughs> you know or something like that um, yeah. but you, you know like in some ways she was kind of right uh, in that uh, you know like I mean a lot of the wrinkles that we have in our face that's are, right uh, dude that's are, right yeah are dynamic wrinkles you know from like smiling and like frowning and like yeah you know like that's why people get Botox to like you know so like the wrinkles you get there when you're frowning yeah. These are like some of the things that people get like paralyzed. So you know, my grandma, mom, uh, my mom when she laughed, was tight. she laughs like this, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll say like, "Me río pero me arrugo." <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, because that's I so cool. te vas a quedar así, pero ya cuando ya cuando esté ruco. But, and then there's like, you know, then there's other like, you know, cuentos abuelita and stuff like that that aren't necessarily true. Like, I think one of the more common things that I hear is, you know, when people get hives or uh, urticaria, uh, salpullido, um, you know, that some patients uh, call, um, you know, they tell me, no, doctor, me salió salpullido porque comí puerco el otro día. Y, oh, you know, yes. You know, so, so things like that. And, but, you know, probably most when people get hives usually the, the most common cause for hives is unknown um, yeah. but hives can happen like following an infection or sometimes following a medication but most of the time we really don't know what caused the hives to come out i'm seeing though you know just talking about the puerco thing that i, I see a lot of uh, kids with food allergies and um like I think the list for, you know, I've been in practice since 2012 as a gastroenterologist and the list of things that people are allergic to are just, it's just like growing and growing. And before, like I, I see a lot of people allergic to like proteins, like beef or chicken um, and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I just thought about that because you said about the puerco. Thing. Yeah. Well, but that was, what I was going to say about puerco is that, um, you know, I bet, I bet that like, uh, that cuento de abuelita comes from, uh, you know, like puerco traditionally has been seen as sort of like a, you know, like a dirtier meat or like more likely to have parasites and, and things like that. Um, and actually, uh, sometimes parasites can actually be uh, a cause of like chronic uh, hives or uh, chronic uh, urticaria uh, in some people. So, so again, you know, abuelita's dicho is kind of right that there is some truth uh, to that um, to, to some degree, but. Uh, but yeah, the whole uh, hives and food allergies and, and things like that, it's, it's a little bit contra controversial, I think, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the link with certain um, skin conditions and, and hives and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, most of the time, we don't, we don't find the cause, but there are obviously people that, you know, do have some food allergies, um, you know, shellfish and uh, certain nuts and, 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 and other things like that. Um, it, there's also it, been, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say also like uh, out here in, in Dallas, um, there's a particular type of uh, tick, uh, like the, I think it's the, the Lone Star tick. Um, the Lone I might be, Star I might be wrong on the type <laughs> of tick. I might be wrong about the type of tick, but there's people that actually develop meat allergies uh, following tick bites yeah. and, um, and it's due to uh, like the saliva of the tick has a protein in it that once you get exposed to it it's the same type of protein that's in certain meats and so these people that uh, all of a sudden start breaking out in hives or even develop uh, what we call angioedema or like swelling 
uh, following uh, exposure or like once they eat meat and it's almost like an acquired uh, meat allergy that they get after a tick bite. So we we're uh, we're just I, I want to thank everybody for for um, for for your comments. We're we're um, we're Shauna Goldman's on right now. Dr. Shauna Goldman. She uh, she's she's tuning in. Uh, Dr. Goldman, uh, one of my uh, one of the uh, great families of, of El Paso. Dr. Shauna Goldman, pediatric dermatologist, um, trained at UT Southwestern all the way through. Super awesome dermatologist who just moved back to El Paso. Thanks. For coming back home, uh, Shauna, it's really awesome of you. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. Um, I, just last thing, I want to be a little bit selfish. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yes, for, uh, absolutely. Um, she can talk about uh, pediatric skin issues. Yes, and and I, I think um, yeah, it's actually a good a good. Um, I, uh, I was going to ask you if you could maybe do a quick comment. I'll, I'll, I'll ask uh, Shauna to come in to ask uh, talk to you a little bit more about details. But can you, so uh, from a pediatric gastroenterology standpoint, from a sponsor pediatric gastro, can you talk just super briefly about just G-tube care? Because there's, there's a lot of my, a lot of my patients are watching now. Um, they have G-tubes um, or their, their kids have G-tubes. What, what would be like three things that you would say just like to, to uh, just what, the ideal best way to take care of the skin surrounding uh, G-tube, the gastrostomy yeah you know so like when i mentioned earlier about um water being an irritant uh, moisture is probably going to be the main driver for a lot of these uh irritations and kind of the periostomal uh skin uh but the skin not around only, the, the skin around the g2 yeah but not only necessarily just moisture but sometimes you know if there's food contents contents that seep out or if there is uh gastric uh, contents or other, you know, fluids from the bowel that come up, all of that can be really irritating uh, to the skin. Uh, and so one of the most important things is moisture control. Um, and that can be done through a number of ways. Um, again, with a lot of um, uh, gentle skin care. Um, so when you take the ostomy down, I think one of the most important things is, you, you know, you clean the area, but it's really important to let that area dry um, dry out before you apply uh, the appliance on there because if you apply that appliance and the skin is still wet um, then that's going to trap that moisture and that moisture is going to be very irritating to the skin. So what um, would you say about gauzes because I, I have a lot of my parents who put who put a lot of gauze um, and some some put like really thick uh, layers of gauze which for me uh, makes it a little bit tough because it puts a lot of pressure under in, inside the inside the stomach. It's like create a lot of ulcers inside the stomach. But um, what, what would you say just for skin management, uh, specifically regarding gauze and, and just kind of those like fabrics that go between the skin and the G tube? Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think putting the the gauze directly on the skin. Um, can be, might end up being irritating and counterproductive um, because it's gonna soak up some of that moisture and then it's gonna kind of trap that moisture. Um, you know, if you are gonna do gauze, again, you don't wanna make sure that it's too much that's gonna end up putting like a lot of pressure and cause almost like a pressure uh, injury. Yeah, um, that's right. On, it would probably be a good idea that on the skin itself, you wanna use like a bland moisturizer. Again, something like Vaseline, um, something that doesn't have any preservatives or alcohol or anything like that on there. Another thing that might work really well is to use uh, like a zinc oxide uh, containing product, um, which, you know, zinc oxide is something that I mentioned earlier with the sunscreens, um, but uh, zinc oxide is also kind of the main ingredient in a lot of things like diaper paste. Um, yeah, desitin. And desitin. And so desitin is something that's really uh, or the zinc oxide really sticks to the skin and it's kind of hard to take off, but it's like a wonderful uh, skin uh, protective. And so, um, you know, that's the reason why we use it and, you know, as a diaper cream, because um, I mean, it's basically a diaper rash is from moisture, from trapped moisture, and friction and heat. And so in a lot of ways, like the skin around the ostomy, you have kind of the same microenvironment as you basically have like in a diaper rash. You have moisture, you have occlusion, you have heat, you have friction. Um, mm. And so 
um, a lot of the same strategies kind of work in, in that area too. I and oftentimes, things- the other okay. thing that I mentioned is oftentimes we, um, you know, whenever we see, whenever like non-dermatologists see uh, like a rash in like in um, in an area of uh, what we call a, a flexural area or like in the skin fold, you know, like yeah. between the butt cheeks or like in the groin area, or again, like, you know, like under the ostomy and it's red and irritated, people love to kind of call it, oh, well, this patient has yeast or this yes. patient has, yes. uh, you know, everything's yeast. Everything's yeast. So not yeah. all red skin in like these areas is yeast. And I would go further than that and say like most of the time it's not yeast. Again, it's just like moisture irritation and yeah. so forth. And if there is yeast, you can usually, if you get the moisture under control, the yeast will go away. And so I actually don't use a lot of uh, nice statin and other things like that. Um, I think just, you know, with the barrier protection and if there's a little bit of like skin irritation, like with dryness or weeping, or even like a little bit of blistering, using a uh, low potency topical steroid like destinide uh, or hydrocortisone 2.5%, a lot of that can help uh, really calm down that inflammation uh, once the irritation has happened. Arturo, man, thanks so much for for uh, joining me on a Saturday morning. I know you got a lot of things to do and, and I, uh, we had a great conversation about healthy skin and Latino communities. Um, you're born and raised in El Paso. This is um, kind of an open Generally, it's like a Latino topic. Uh, we're streaming live from Aspons Pietro Gastro, and this is brought to you by uh, Bemidoc. Stay connected, stay healthy. Um, we're, we're trying to do this on a regular basis every Saturday morning. Um, if there's topics that you, as the people watching, we're, we're streaming live from uh, Facebook, on Twitch, on Clubhouse, and uh, Twitter, and we'll get on IG probably next week. Uh, we're trying to make this regular thing. If there's things people want to talk about, you know, I'm open to suggestions. I'm, I'm sort of like a DJ where it's I'm not necessarily taking requests, um, but I'll, I'll but I'll hear you out to see what what you guys say. Uh, Arturo, thanks so much again yeah, for joining us, uh, Dr. Dominguez. You're super awesome, man, and thanks for all the work you do. Hopefully, uh, we can bring you back home uh, permanently so you can, um, you know, help out our, our, our your your hometown or. And, uh, and keep growing. Thanks a, uh, a lot, man. Thanks, and uh, so, yeah, Thank you. all the best to you guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.